0: Welcome to Breakin' Bible with the Tully Adventurers. Explore. It's time. It's a good day for some good news. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That's Jesus' good news to us in John 16,
1: As we face this new day and all it has for us, we find courage and hope in the only trustworthy words available. Tully Adventurers, explore. The Bible. So this morning we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you get an opportunity, listen to it or read it for yourself. There are plenty of apps on available for your phone or wherever you get your apps at that will have the Bible for you. You can listen to an audio version. We've done that this morning. We've listened to this chapter. And now we're going to discuss how it affects us as full-time RVers and people who are trying to do life. So, Jennifer, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning?
0: Ah, so I'm in verse, I'm in verse, <clears throat> uh, I don't know, somewhere around seven-ish, maybe eight, maybe nine, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and Paul's talking about when he um, came to talk to... I guess when they converted these people.
1: Okay. Go ahead and read the verse.
0: Even though we had some standing as Christ's apostles, so like, we were known. uh, We never threw our weight around or tried to come across as important with you or anyone else. We weren't standoffish with you. We took you just as you were. We were never patronizing, never condescending. But we cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. We loved you dearly. Um,
1: I knew this was going to be where you went (laughs) and that's a good thing. Mm. Why does this stand out to you?
0: I think it mostly stands out to me because we just came off of a tour on Friday where we were talking about, uh, or we were listening about how one group of, um, people forced their religion on another. And had they taken the time to actually communicate with these people, they would have found that they had a lot of things in common. And, um, I think about myself and times that I've, you know, um, taken whatever my position is because I'm feeling irritable and that's all I can hang on to is my position and, you know, not been as kind or, patient with people as I could be. And the thing is, is that we're not just called to love the people that are nice to us. And there was a time in my life where I was just, I was ready for confrontation because I wasn't, I didn't feel good inside. I didn't have that connection to God. I didn't know I had that connection to God. That's what it is. And I wasn't relying on that. I was trying to rely on myself and I was exhausted um, because I worked all the time, um, out of, mostly out of necessity at that point. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely, I, I look back and I, I definitely could have been kinder to people. So as I've had the opportunity, as I've grown and I've come across people that I knew then, I've definitely made an effort to apologize to them. And the funny thing is, is that I've carried that around for a long time and I haven't met a single person that said, thank you, um, or I remember that you were shitty to me, or any of those things. They've all said the same thing. I hope you haven't been carrying that around all this time because I'm good. But they, I take that back, they have said thank you. But thank you though. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's what was speaking to me today.
1: I hear in there um, the possibility of an inner vow Um, as we learn about what God offers us and what being in relationship with Him is about, we learn that faith in Him is trusting that He's going to make things work out for us, even when it doesn't look like things are going to work out for us. And so I heard you say you were busy all the time and that it was out of necessity. Mm -hmm. And there are times when we do have to work really hard to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, But are at this place now where you're relationship with God is more apparent to you and you've seen recently we had a situation happen to our RV and we thought that it was going to be a terrible thing because in the moment it felt really bad but then it turned out that God was providing us with what we needed later on so do you still think that it was a necessity that you worked that hard or do you think that God was preparing you for something later on?
0: Both. Um, I think that oh, the thought just left me. I th- I'm just gonna go with what? Mm-hmm. I think both. Um, where I... Needed to grow was in the belief area Mm -hmm. because the working a lot in that moment. Still, I look back on that and it was necessary, but the worrying that went with it Ah, that's where I was not trusting God. And it's
1: just super emotional. That's okay, it's okay to be emotional about.
0: I worried all the time. I worried about my kids. I worried about being careful while I was out and about traveling because I wanted to make sure I could get back to them. Um, I worried about where they were staying while I was having to work. I worried about everything then. And that's the part that wasn't trusting God.
1: I think that it's very brave of you to admit that. And I'm very proud of you. And I love you very much. And everything's going to be okay. And your emotions are valid. It is entirely okay for you to feel the way you feel about those situations. None of us know how difficult it was for you in those times because we didn't live your life and even if we try to step into your shoes, we can't know. And so for us to judge you would be silly and inappropriate and just plain rude. So thank you for being willing to share that with us. I think the part in these verses that stood out for me, we cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. it's so easy to claim that the Bible is patriarchal and all that matters is the tyranny of father figures. But when we read the Bible, we actually find out that it's telling us stories about how when fathers are tyrannical, they're terrible. And when mothers are tyrannical, they're terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, To use some Greek terms, the Oedipal mother is just as bad as Zeus. (laughs) They do it different ways, but they're still doing terrible things. Mm -hmm. So it's great to see here that Paul says, we cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. Um, God is neither male nor female. God does not identify with a sexuality or gender or whatever you want to call it, because God is spirit. Yes. Yes we say he because
0: at the time that this was translated Mm -hmm. that was the norm when you were not proclaiming one gender or the other right and so that's why it says he it's not about it's not identifying with the gender
1: right and so but he made us in his image God made us in God's image to represent God's self and so neither male nor female is a full representation of who God actually is and that's another reason that marriage is such a powerful thing because when you put a male and a female together under the leadership of God then you have the trinity you have that relational connection that requires both male and female to give up those parts of themselves that are not like God and live up to the parts of themselves that are who God created them to be. Yes, go ahead. So what you're saying is it's supposed to be a challenge. Absolutely. And that's what dying to ourselves as male and female is. Giving up the idea that my spouse should interact with the world the way I do. Because I am right. And when we worship the feminine, we put ourselves in danger of a lot of terrible things. And when we worship the masculine, we put ourselves in terrible danger of a lot of different things. But it's still all bad. But when we can worship God, who is spirit, neither male nor female, then we can embrace that he has created us as male or female and embrace the challenges that go along with being either male or female.
0: What I I caught was, if the union between man and woman... Is supposed to be a challenge mm-hmm. then um, that allows me to look at the idea of marriage differently because the romanticized version is that we'll just live happily ever after and the reality is that it's gonna take some work and it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be a, a decision we make every day to either work on that in a loving way or let everything else influence us and butt heads. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of times <clears throat> we grew up with this notion, this romanticized notion, that mm-hmm. um, if it's the right person, it's supposed to go smoothly. Right. That's not even possible. You can't even live with a friend, like your bestie, and there not be challenges. How
1: many of us can live with ourselves and not have challenges? Exactly. (laughs)
0: Like, eventually, you're going to be irritated that they push on the middle of the toothpaste. (laughs) Eventually, you're going to get irritated that they throw their towel on the floor while you hang yours up. Um, Or they like to leave their dishes in the sink till Sunday and you like them done immediately there's just we all see things so differently and the thing about marriage um, and me honestly having been married more than once is that for us if we weren't pursuing God We would not have been brought closer together because we're so different we see things so differently and we just we view life so differently we have very opposite backgrounds um, uh, what is that word when you keep your kids from seeing things uh, when you like uh, an example would be like uh, you won't let like, kids see r-rated
1: movies what's that called protecting them <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there's
0: there's a word uh it'll come to me anyway um i didn't have any of it and you had all of it it's like i lost it and you found it um i gotta th- it'll come to me anyway we come from such different backgrounds and if we weren't pursuing god like i i want i i think to myself what would bring us together when it's challenging um there's some days where I feel like you know it's it is the thread through our marriage that holds it all
1: together. You brought up an interesting idea this romanticized version of marriage Mm -hmm. and relationships. Um, It's so interesting to look at our fairy tales Mm -hmm. and our fairy tales do end at they get married and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And you look, you watch the Disney versions or you watch our very westernized versions of stories and for some yeah. reason they end when the marriage begins. Which is really weird because that's when things really get interesting. Mm-hmm. That's when the, the people are challenged to change their views and change, have their rough edges sanded down and become more of who they actually are. Um so it is fascinating that we are sold on this idea of the fairy tale begins when you get married because that's when everything's going to get better.
0: Ooh, I have another one. Go ahead. We ride off into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh-huh. And then when the Sun comes up the next day. You look at the person. And go, Ooh, I didn't. I didn't realize we looked that way in the morning. <laughs> um, I'm challenged by this because I've read a book that tells me that fairy tales in other places are—they um, go through the marriage. They go through all of the difficulties that you can have when you're married. They go through all the rest of the story to the the people passing away and moving on and one of the things i really enjoyed the first few seasons of vikings on the history channel because we were following one heroic character and then spoiler alert for a show that's been on for 10 years uh that character is no longer the main character of the story and we stopped following that character. And I, w- I was disappointed and like, Meh, I don't know that I want to watch this show anymore. Because in my very... Um, Western, uh, US of A way of looking at stories, we're supposed to have a hero. The hero goes through this difficulty. They overcome the challenge and then they live happily ever get after. Get the girl. Mm-hmm. Get, you're right. They get the girl and they live happily ever after. Or you watch a romantic comedy same idea there's one heroic female she meets this guy and thinks it's gonna be great and then they have this huge explosive thing that blows up the relationship but then he comes back and still loves her and they live happily ever after so as long as you overcome one challenge you get to then go live happily ever after yeah no wonder we're so messed up (laughs) as we actually have to live the day-to-day life Um, (laughs) oh man anyway I look at this chapter and continue with Paul is being a cheerleader to these people and reminding them they're doing a great job when we came and met with you we did a great job of not putting any extra pressure on you we didn't require you to pay for us to live there with you we didn't put put a bunch of responsibility on your shoulders for us and for me personally, that there's something about that that feels good. This is a relationship where we're gonna respect each other's needs. Um, you know, they'll care, the, the people who should have authority are actually going to live near the same level as the people they're in authority over and just be their peers, be their friends. And as, Much as the cheerleader thing, I was like, eh, I don't really go for the cheerleader thing. I do very much feel the joy of I am not being made responsible for my leaders. It's not my job to make sure I pay enough at church so that my pastor can drive a Cadillac or whatever else. And on the flip side, I'm so I'm not being held responsible for them, but they're also not going to be held responsible unnecessarily for me they're not supposed to pay my way either they're not supposed to give me money so I get to drive a Cadillac we're all going to have our own responsibilities we're all going to have we're going to respect each other and um, it's it just for me personally feels so much better and I know that in some of the other books of the Bible that we read some of the letters Paul's written he's written to people who were all about hierarchy they're all about, this person has authority over this person. And it's interesting because he writes to them and says, even though you have this position, use it to honor God by not doing things to the people you're in charge of that will hurt them or break their hearts or turn them away from who God is. Um, so it's it's fascinating to me just how... The idea of authority in the Bible can be so much different than ideas of authority that were sold by the people in authority in the church or Mm -hmm. the Catholic Church the Protestant Church um, anywhere right go ahead
0: Um, for me one of the things that I really loved about the church that we attended in Ventura so that would be Mission Church was that i did feel cared for and cared about Mm -hmm. i felt like the the team of pastors it wasn't just one there's a whole team that they knew their people like they knew they went out of their way to know who i was Mm -hmm. um when i left i felt cared for and cared about when we had struggles, they did not hesitate to help in any way they could. Um, I just, I was so, I needed that and I was so moved by that. That was not anything I had experienced before and um, it was very comforting to me. Um, even though the church service itself was so different than what I was used to, uh, and, um, a little startling even, sure. um, uh, I have this great memory I just want to share. So, um, I was used to taking communion, um, every time I went to church and we'd gone to church there many times and, and communion was just not a thing that was. That just wasn't a thing there. And then one day there was communion. And I was like, whoa, okay. All right. So, you know, mentally preparing to line up and do the thing.
1: You were preparing for the Catholic yes. version of communion.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Right. Um,
1: Where you line up, the priest puts, says some words, puts the wafer in your mouth, says some words. gives You You have to hold bothered. your hands up. Oh, hand. oh, okay. Uh, what, but there's a whole process. Yeah, there's a, and process. There's a whole
0: So I'm, you know, gearing up for that. And, and then they just like pass around these baskets and, and they're just like pre-made little, little tiny, and it's juice, it's not wine. And then there's a wafer in the top. And so it's like your own little self-serve, looks like a little coffee creamer. And, um, I was reminded of a story about Nick, our son, when he was little, um, you don't make your, you don't take your first communion in Catholicism until you're in about second grade and you've gone to classes for it. And so he was younger than that. And he came to me one day and he said, mom, when do we get to get the snack at church? (laughs) It was the funniest thing I ever heard. And we still talk about it today. And so I was so excited about this little snack, (laughs) the communion that I snapped a picture and sent it to both boys and said, oh my gosh, I wish you could have been here today. It was snack day. (laughs) Anyway, um, it was just, it was interesting. And there was no restrictions on who could have it. There was no, it was given freely. There were even baskets in the back. Like you could take a to-go snack, (laughs) a a to-go communion. It was just, uh, for me, it was very comforting and it was lovely. And I just felt so included which is very important to me, Um,
1: so. One of the great things about that church is they actually did have really great boundaries as well. Mm -hmm. They were very inclusive, they were willing to be helpful, um, but they weren't just going to give away resources just because there needed to be a relational aspect. There needed to be, they had their specific boundaries that protected the church protected the people in the church kept the church within the laws um, I remember one time and it's easy to get that to get upset about this idea but there were homeless people who would camp out outside of the first church building that they were in and one of the one of the younger people who was getting involved in working at the church got upset because why aren't we helping these homeless people why aren't we And there was this great boundary that was set up that if there are people who are trying to get back to God get back to living in society all that kind of thing um, that seemed to me and I could be wrong but that seemed to me to be a prerequisite for we're going to help them because It reminds me of another story, and this is a story Dave Ramsey tells. He tells a story. Dave Ramsey is a financial guy. He helps out with finances and he tells a story about working at a church where um, Behind the church building there were acres of orchard and so um, People would come to the church and say hey, we need help. Will you give us some money and the church put in A boundary that said if you will go and help clean the this orchard out you know uh, clean it up do some yard work something like that we will give you money and I think if I have the story correctly in three years of having that boundary zero people took up the opportunity to do some work to get the money and we don't know we don't know what individual people are willing to do or not willing to do but if we don't have these boundaries set up so that we can protect our relationships with people and honor them, respect their decision. If you don't want to do this work, you don't get this money, but it's available to you. And so I struggle so often with what boundaries are and how to set them and what they look like because I didn't grow up with good boundaries, with good respectful boundaries. Um, I didn't have a dad growing up. And so I didn't see that modeled in interactions with the world. My mom tended to just say yes to whoever offered her work or um, an opportunity. And so I, or she would say that people were manipulative or bullies when they put more work on her than she wanted to, but she wouldn't say no. And so to, to see these boundaries put into place is really helpful because I want to be empathetic towards people who are in need, but if I don't have a boundary that, that does call them to action and call them to helpful action, not just asking for what they want, but being willing to Do some kind of work for it or whatever it is then I'm actually enabling them to not have to work not have to live up to being part of society and that means they're not going to get the benefits of being part of society Mm -hmm. so I'm glad you felt included in the church I also felt safe there because they had a lot of those boundaries Um, so shout out to Mission Church in Ventura California
0: Absolutely.
1: Is there anything else in this chapter of the Bible that particularly stands out to you? I have one real quick while you're looking for yours. Um, There's a section in 14 through 16 where Paul says, you got the same bad treatment from your countrymen as they did from theirs. The Jews who killed the master Jesus and followed it up by running us out of town. They make themselves offensive to God and everyone else by trying to keep us from telling people who've never heard of our God how to be saved. They've made a career of opposing God. And this is such an interesting statement because Paul grew up as Paul's Jewish. Mm -hmm. And Paul grew up learning all of the laws. And he was a Pharisee. He was basically a lawyer within the Jewish. And lawyers were basically a religious person who knew all the laws and held other people to this high even impossible standard and it's interesting that paul is willing to say there was a specific group of people who happened to be jewish who were the ones who put jesus to death yes
0: i love that because he doesn't just blanket them all
1: yes exactly that's 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 exactly my point It's not we get to hate a group of people because some of that group of people are bad. Mm. Um, Every human being has within them the ability to do terrible things. We are all, each individually, God's holy and dearly loved child who he is pleased with. And even when he cannot approve of what we do, we still have that identity but we do things that he cannot approve of. And so herein is the point. There are people who are choosing evil. They choose to do evil. And it is not our job or within our ability to rehabilitate them. Because if God does not change their hearts, then they will continue to choose evil. And I know that there are people who work within the rehabilitation uh, groups of jobs you know sheriffs psychologists psychiatrists there are doctors who work within this area and all of that is great but for us as individual people we need to understand that there are people who are evil there are people who are choosing evil and by doing those evil things they put us in danger and we have to be wise enough to recognize When people are doing evil things and get ourselves away from them so we do not get hurt and destroyed by those people who are doing evil things and they're everywhere there are people doing evil in the church and it's not the church doing evil it's a specific person or two or three people it's not the whole church there are people in society there are people within the police There are people within the sheriff's department. There are people within government. There are people within my job where I work at. There are people within anywhere there are human beings. There are going to be people who are choosing to oppose God. And our hearts break for them. And our hearts break because of what they do to other people. And we have to be wise enough to recognize that they've made their decision. And that's what they're going to do. And I'm heartbroken right now because I'm feeling that way about someone who I used to think of as a friend and they've decided that they were have they're making their life about something that is evil and it's not the thing itself it's just the way they have decided to interact with it as more important than any relationship or anything else and it's heartbreaking because I still want to Be this person's friend I still want to be kind to them but I will exhaust myself and bring my bring destruction on myself if I make myself responsible for their actions their decisions and what they end up doing so wisdom requires me to step away from that relationship and hold a level of distance and a boundary That is going to protect me and my family from what they are doing. And it breaks my heart because I don't want them to live the way they've decided to. But that's where they're at. And so my prayer is that God will handle this situation and change that person's heart. And give me the strength to stay out of range of that relationship. Yes, my love.
0: I have a question yeah so when we're faced with a situation like that where somebody that we love and care about is choosing an evil bath mm-hmm. um, is it important that we tell them what our boundary is and this is just a, a question it's because a really good question because if we just step away are we
1: it's a really good question and it's i don't have an easy answer what i think about is how proverbs which is the book about how to be wise and discerning in situation talks about wise evil and foolish wise foolish and evil people and with foolish people if you try to tell them something they're just gonna laugh it off and if you try to tell them something wise they're gonna laugh it off and tell you "Eh, I don't really care about that with evil people they might pretend that they do care they might act like they're really interested or they're willing to change their ways but then their actions show you that they've decided they're going to live a certain way and do certain things and I think the problem that we have is in our, in for me personally, in my arrogance. I want to think I can do something, which includes telling them what my boundary is, which includes telling them some wise counsel or grieving with them if they're hurting or meeting them somewhere that seems um, seems compassionate or seems uh, empathetic. I want to do those things because. That's within my heart but what really happens is I end up getting hurt even more and they don't change and so I'm just setting myself up for failure pride comes before the fall I'm trying to okay I'm gonna tell them my boundary because that's gonna change them that's what's in my heart and mind if I'll just tell them my boundary then they'll change but if my absence from them doesn't cause them to have a change of heart If all of the people who they think should care about them stop caring about them, and that doesn't change their heart, they stubbornly hold on to this thing that they're going to do, why would me telling them, hey, this is my boundary, and if you want to be my friend, because anyone can fake the funk, anyone can pretend they're going to live within that boundary to my face, but then when I can't see them, what are they doing? They're still choosing that evil thing. So it's a question of discernment. Even with foolish people, they might laugh it off, but they might then have the opportunity to choose to change. Wise people, if you tell them your boundary, they're going to decide whether or not they can be in relationship with you. And if it's a wise boundary, most likely they'll stay within relationship with you. But how we discern where that person is at because we're judging their actions is part of the wisdom challenge. And I don't have one simple answer for you. I really wish I did. I wish it was as easy as, okay, here's your checklist, these three things, okay, then you can tell them what your boundaries are. But when you see someone who isn't being changed by incredible amounts of pain that they're going through and consequences for their actions, why would your boundary be any different than their family's boundaries the the boundaries of the law the boundaries of every other boundary that they've just jumped over or stepped around so that's why it takes discernment and wisdom and that's why we have to pray and ask god for help because i'm guessing your natural inclination is the same as mine my empathy drives me to want to give them some information that's going to help them or change their heart and mind. Is that kind of where you're at?
0: No, actually what I was thinking is that um, when I set a boundary it is for my protection. It's not to... Ah, okay. It's not to... It's not with the hope that they will change so much as it is my protection. And so... Um I just think if, if a person doesn't know where my line in the sand is, then there's no hope for uh, that protection of me because they don't even know.
1: What point in the relationship does does that conversation happen? Or how in relationships do people figure that out?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out myself that's why I'm asking these questions because well and to the point that you're making there are things that people do that make them unable to hear you and understand what you're even saying in this particular instance um, well
1: so are you trying to speak to my situation no. okay No,
0: I'm trying to speak generally and so I'm, I'm thinking of a situation for myself Uh, a family member that that i love dearly that i uh, know my whole life Mm -hmm. um spent some time well a lot of years decades um with substance abuse okay um and the truth is that no boundary that i would have told him would have there was nothing to say because he was always under the influence mm-hmm. for all those years. Um, and he wouldn't remember that I even said it anyway. Right. In fact, there were many conversations that he and I had that were so meaningful to me and I would get my feelings hurt because I would come across him later thinking he was lucid and he wasn't and mm-hmm. he couldn't remember any of them. Right. And, um, it wasn't until he got clean. Um, Over two years ago, now that he and I are able to have honest conversations, and it's heartbreaking because he doesn't remember any of those things, but there's hope now because he is clean now, and um, anyway. So I think that y- you bring up a good and that there are circumstances where even communicating that boundary, even to protect myself, is not wise because the person, like in my situation with my family member, um, he couldn't hear me anyway.
1: Something I think about is that yes, boundaries are definitely there to protect us personally and specifically physical boundaries are there to protect us physically. Um, I think it's often that we want the boundaries to protect the relationship. Mm. So, as long as this person's able to have a moment of good relationship with me, shouldn't my boundaries allow for that, for any little good moment that might occur? But as you just pointed out, you thought you were having this great moment, a good moment, and later you found out that the person who you were having this good moment with was hidden behind all of these drugs and, and then your heart was broken even more. So were you protected was the relationship, the relationship seemed to be protected because you still were trying so hard to keep the relationship alive, but you were not protected. And so the boundaries you were using in that situation and the boundaries I've been using in my situation are incorrect for the situation right that's why it requires this level of wisdom that we may not have on our own it's why it's so helpful to have other people who have been through these kinds of situations and know how they're wise people to go to these wise people and find out from them how to interact with the situation Mm -hmm. so often I run to my peers people who are at the same level of understanding or age or whatever as me, thinking I'm gonna get some great advice. How would they know what to do? They haven't been through, most likely they haven't been through, the kind of situation that I'm asking them for help with, and even if they have, the pot, the probability that they went through it well and built the best possible boundaries for themselves and to protect themselves is so small, that it is foolish for me to ask that this group of people. If I would go to people who are older than me, who are wise, who have proven themselves in multiple situations, and I've seen that in my relationship with them, then even if they can't lead me in this particular situation, if they're actually wise, they're going to connect me to some people who they know who have been in similar situations. So those wise people can help me. And, you know, it's one of those points of arrogance. I want to believe that I can figure it out myself, do the thing that's going to change this person, I'm going to fix the situation. And that's my arrogance, getting in the way of my own safety, good relationship with God, good relationship with this person. And that's why the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son comes back to me so often the father in that situation, when the when his kid came and said, I don't want to have a relationship with you anymore. Give me, give me my money. Give me whatever you can give me and let me go. The father doesn't try to hold on to him. The father doesn't try to tell him, hey, these are your boundaries and this is how we're... Okay, you've made your decision. I'm going to respect your decision and you're going to go out there and Find out what life is really like without me protecting you, without me being in relationship with you. And if that's how you choose to live, so be it. And we don't know in that story how long it took for that prodigal son to return. It could have been years. It probably was. All that time partying and spending all that money and then being stubborn and not wanting to go back. So are we willing to love people more than we love our relationship with those people so that we allow them to leave when they want to we respect them enough to let them go
0: i think that's the thing is that i was getting as i was learning about this i was getting tripped up in but we're called to love all people but we're also called to love them enough to respect their, their choices absolutely And, um, you know, the boundary is that if you're going to choose this, then I can't be a part of that. And I will be here when you make different choices. Um, But for now, while you're doing this, I can't be a part of it. And I think that is very much loving people.
1: Absolutely. Well, the... Was there anything else in particular that stood out for you in this chapter? No. Okay. There is one more thing that for me, as someone who loves the blues and who's a musician, I really enjoy about this chapter. And it's the very last sentence of the last verse in this chapter. Paul says, you're our pride and joy. And of course, that makes me think of Stevie Ray Vaughan, (laughs) who sings about... His pride and joy, his sweet little baby. And so today, please know that you are God's pride and joy. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants the very best life available for you. And as we learn to trust and love him, we are looking forward to not less suffering, not less hurt, but the very best life that is available to us and all of God's blessings. And we're grateful that one of our blessings right now is to live in this RV and to travel around and to get to experience new cultures and new ways that we didn't know people were interacting with God and being loved by God. So thank you so much for being with us.
0: Follow and subscribe on Twitch to chat with us.
1: Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast from.
0: Thank you for joining us on this adventure.
1: Much love, Tully Adventures. Explore.